0: Hey there, my name is Jake Bennett,
1: and I'm Michael Dorinda,
0: and welcome to episode 13 of the North Meets South web podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. It is Saturday morning here for me. It is Saturday night for Michael, and we are both rocking the hoodies. This morning and evening, Michael, how you doing, man?
1: A uh, little cold, uh, suffering from hay fever. Do you guys? Is it hay fever over there? Do you know what, what that is?
0: I you know I don't suffer from it, so I'm not sure. I, I don't have I don't have that allergy. Is it like a seasonal thing?
1: Yeah, it's like a spring thing. So when all the pollens in the air, and you just get itchy eyes and itchy throat and runny nose, and it's garbage. And um, we were helping my in-laws, so my, my wife's family, move furniture today because they're having... Unfortunately, they've got termites in their house. So, we had to move oh, all of the furniture out of the house into the shed. And so, I don't know if you've ever moved anything, but there's always dust, right? So, yes, tons, it was yep. just a face full of dust for half a day, Oh man! which took me pretty much... And, and I've been suffering from this all week. So, it's. I thought I'd get a bit of res- respite on the weekend, but no, nah, apparently not. So...
0: That's rough, dude. Sorry about that. Um, uh, that's okay, right. so two questions. Number one, is it spring there right now?
1: Yeah, so it is, Yeah, is mid-spring right now.
0: Because it's fall here. Yeah. It's like ending of our summer, fall. I guess I I don't know. Maybe I was under the impression that we were like different time zone, same season sort of stuff. But I guess maybe since you guys are in Southern Hemisphere, it makes a difference. The yep. Toilets flush the wrong way and we're on opposite seasons. I mean, what is, how does e- this work?
1: That is correct, yeah. Yeah.
0: Weird. I didn't Oh I feel like such an American right now. Like I should <laughs> know that.
1: <laughs> well Yeah, I don't see now I'm nervous. I don't want to say anything, but isn't it got to do with the way that the planet is on a like a like an angle or something on the on it's the tilt where, as it spins? Yeah, right? all right.
0: It's gotta be like since it's on the axis, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I would trade places, I suppose, with I don't know, fall's okay. I just, you know, I like the summer it's better. Just that so I would winter rather period. be going into the summer than going away from it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, oh. And then second question was, uh, when you say you moved all of the furniture into the shed, yeah. Uh, do you have like a, is there another building on the property or is it literally like because yeah. like, when I think shed I think a little shed like a tiny little shed I keep my lawnmower in sort of thing. Yeah.
1: So this is like a really really big shed, as in you could probably fit all right eight maybe ten four door sedans in there.
0: Holy crap! So it's like a it's like a barn. Is it that size, like thing? Yeah,
1: lengthwise it's not like it's not overly tall, but it's it's certainly a very deep shed.
0: Okay, yep. interesting. Are they like what do they use it for when they don't when they're not putting furniture in there?
1: Uh, it's just got tools and miscellaneous bits and pieces in there, I suppose. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It's largely oh. empty. Like there's there was just heaps of room in there for us to put you know bags of clothes and desks and you know chests of drawers and things like that so well,
0: that's pretty convenient yeah especially when you're needing to move all the stuff out oh i don't know the last thing i was going to say is i've like i know there are people in the u.s that have termites and stuff i guess i've never had to deal with it because i'm maybe a little bit farther north um yeah. but yeah i've hear i hear that they can be a huge pain
1: yeah they basically have to come and rip up all the carpets and they draw holes in the floors and in the walls and they you know they they spray it with some chemicals and things like that so they've yeah they've had to move out of all of those areas of the house
0: that sucks sorry to hear that glad you're able to help well we can uh, go ahead and get started here we've got a couple things on the list to talk about today uh first one just kind of relevant to recent news is the ddos attacks that kind of happened uh yesterday that you did not get affected by at all because you are in australia and you were sleeping
1: that is correct, yeah. I woke up to see people's tweets as I was going through my timeline. Oh, GitHub is having issues. Hey, GitHub, are you having issues? Oh, you know, was it DNS or whatever were being DDoSed and Twitter was down and GitHub was down and whatever else was down. So yeah,
0: it was a bad day for developers.
1: Yeah, I missed the excitement. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was funny. I saw a couple people saying like, "Hey, where's our like, where's our safe place that we meet if like Slack goes down? <laughs> like, we can't communicate on Twitter. Can't get a, get to each other get GitHub. Like, where where do we meet? In case the end of the world is happening? Um, so it was interesting. Like, you know, I, I read. I just read an article this morning, and they were talking about how it was a botnet attack. But the vast majority of the devices that kind of made up this botnet that were throwing this garbage traffic were. These Internet of Things devices, like DVRs and IP cameras, manufactured by this one Chinese manufacturer, so they manufacture these devices and then sell them downstream to you know people who integrate them into their products and and then sell them to their clients, or whatever. Um, so, you know, some people were saying like, "Well, why don't you change the default password or randomize the default password?" And um, what this security article is saying is that while they can change the web. Interface password that these devices, almost all of them, manufactured by this one Chinese manufacturer, have the ability to get uh, be like gotten to through Telnet or SSH, and that the password and username for those are like literally hard coded, and so these devices are are unfixable essentially, and so these are going to continue to be a threat because they can just be deployed as uh, you know they can be utilized for attacks. Uh, Until they're either unplugged from the internet or replaced with newer technology or something, so kind of crazy. Um, Hopefully, it doesn't continue to be a problem.
1: Yeah, because that's you know just all of these things, and it's not you know before it was everyone kind of had a computer in their house, maybe, and it was the computer that everyone used. But now, you know, it's it's fridges and toasters and whatever else, and there's four four iPhones and all these other things in your house. It's just. It's many more devices that are more susceptible to that kind of attack. Whereas on your, on your computer, you know, it's generally managed by Microsoft or Apple or some version of Linux, where it, where their security is pretty tight. And then everyone's got their own passwords, and they try and make it as hard to get in as possible. But these IoT devices, they sort of just sit there and just say "Hey" to anybody who's passing by and. Yeah, I guess the big thing is, oh, you know, it's just an IP camera or it's just whatever. People have, I guess, it's, it's new for, for people and obviously companies are selling these things and people are buying these things and not enough consideration is going into whether or not they're safe to have out there security wise. And there's always going to be someone out there that's going to, you know, find the worst possible thing to do with them. So,
0: Yeah, true story. Speaking of uh, internet of things devices, you got lights recently, didn't you? Mm. Like little lights. What kind did you? Yeah, get?
1: so we bought. They're on sale at the moment. Um, Lifex globe, so l i f x dot com, and we bought a couple of those just just for our bedside lamps in the bedroom. Because most of most of the other lights in our house, we've got like these. Um, i don't know what they're called i think they're called oyster lights so they're like a flat half circle kind of or half sphere kind of thing but they're very flat and the lifex globes are, are kind of large because they're a full you know wi-fi thing so we just got a couple to play around with and um, we've just got them in the bedroom so they do 16 million colors or something like that and you control it with your phone Oh, that's crazy but I got them all set up and I said to my wife, oh, I'm going out to basketball now, but download this app, put it on your phone and when I get home, I'll set it up for you so that you can control the lights. And I went out and I came back and I said, you know, have you got the app on your phone? And she goes, oh, no, I don't really want it on there. I said, well, how are you going to turn the lights on and off now? And she just leant over and flicked the switch off. I'm like, that, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> you can't control them when the light switches no. on. So, she's come around now. She's got the, the app on her phone. But it was funny. I was out at our um, meetup on, on Thursday night and I got a text message of, from her and she had taken a picture of the room with, a, with the light off and she goes, you know, I wish there was some kind of app that I could control these lights with. And of course, I opened up the app to turn it on and saw that the light was already on because she'd flicked it on herself. So, I just turned it off. Like, That'll teach you. That's funny.
0: Nice. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, that could be creepy. Like if you're at home and all of a sudden lights start turning Mm. off and turning on and be like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Is there somebody in that room? Speaking of, speaking of, man, we got to get to some Laravel quick stuff here. But before we do that, uh, there is a really awesome short film called Lights Out. It is on Vimeo. You need to watch it. It is a quick little like three minute horror film. You have to watch it. It's pretty amazing. I'll check it out. And the same producer also made one called Attic Panic, which you also have to see. And they made a feature length film from the Lights Out one. And there's a trailer out there and it just came out a little while ago. I don't know if it's still in theaters, but it was like a little like indie production almost. But anyway, super cool. Really fun to watch. Three minutes. Speaking
1: of short videos, did you see that one from the folks at Pixar? So it wasn't a Pixar short, but it was... A whole bunch of people that worked at Pixar did this thing called something. I better look it up. Apparently, my wife can hear me talking about her and is now texting me and calling me a bully. Oh, Michael. <laughs> Big mistake, dude. You're toast. It's called, it's called Borrowed Time. It's like a seven-minute uh, short, but it's really good.
0: Borrowed Time. I'm going to check it out. Cool. Sounds good.
1: Okay, let's get to
0: uh, some Laravel stuff here. We've got we've covered a lot of Laravel updates. You know, 5.3.17, .18, .19 came out this week. And so um, you usually don't get to do anything with this stuff. But you recently had the occasion to use some of this new 3.19 stuff, right? I think it was like, the, what would you say, yeah. image validator? The image size yeah. validator, image dimension validator? Yeah, I was Taylor heavy. talking about yeah. I heard Taylor talking about that. I wasn't positive of the use case for myself either. I mean, I can kind of get there. I can figure out why it would be used, but typically for yeah. myself, I just accept anything that's you know under a certain size limit, like as far as yep. like actual size of the file, and then I'll just resize it. So, what was mm-hmm. what was your use case?
1: So our use case is that we are building a, it's a very lightweight CMS basically to allow. A user to log in and upload media and attach it to an entity, so a career basically, and it's being used to drive an API for a mobile app. So we need we need the images to be uploaded. And they need to be a specific size, and then we resize the the two times and the one times versions of the image. So for the for the full size version of the image, we need it to be one thousand by twelve hundred pixels. And it needs to be that size specifically. I, I mean, I suppose it could be bigger, and we could resize it. But it's easier to say it has to be this size because that way we know that not not only is the size correct, but the aspect ratio is correct. Yeah. And then once we get that that image, then we'll just crunch it down into a two times and a or well, one and a half times version of the image. Um, and that's just using the uh, intervention image package
0: yeah i was gonna i was gonna mention that actually that's that's what i've used before and it's dang good man it's yeah. so nice for uh for resizing images. super simple and like as that. well yeah yeah it's really nice well cool uh, i know that there's a couple other things in in uh dot nineteen that have been added as well um in the past you've been able to uh, from the command line from artisan you could see a say p h uh, p artisan make colon model, and then you'd give the name of the model. So let's say it's a product. So you say make model product. And then if you added a dash M flag, it would create a migration for you, uh, which is pretty handy. But now they've also got the ability to uh, generate a controller for you. So if you did that same thing, PHP artisan make colon model product dash C, it would make a resourceful controller for you called probably product controller or products controller or something like that. So I'm guessing you could probably do those in combination as well. So you could get a resource mocked out pretty quick. So PHP artisan make model product dash m dash c would create a model, a migration, and a controller for you. Now all they need to do is have it auto add the the resource route to the web folder or for the web thing for you. If you wanted to do that, I suppose.
1: And and maybe some basic CRUD views.
0: Yeah, there you go. And actually, it's funny because I've got you know I've got a little scaffolding command that I built that does that in one of my apps for me. So I've got these little stub files out there, and it basically just replaces some stuff in like the class name or whatever, and and drops them where they need to go. But yeah, I can see this being pretty handy, especially when you're just you know scaffolding out a new app. that will be pretty cool. Yep. So it's a good addition. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit ago, it's got the image dimension validation. So, Michael, I know, and, and obviously we just talked about it, but what are sort of like the rules? How does it? How does it work? Does it say like it has to be between these sizes, or it can it, it has to be this exact size, or how does the image validation work?
1: So there's, I think there's three options. So there's minimums, so you can you can set a minimum width or a minimum height. There's maximums, and then you can specify a specific width and height. So you can say it must be this width and this height. And it looks like there's also a ratio option. So you can say that it's a 3 by 2 or a six, 16 by 9 or whatever.
0: Cool. And this looks like it uses also that new rule class slash helper, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The new validation rule syntax, like the fluent syntax. Uh, so that's cool. So it's already getting more used. So they, they released that for the unique and exists validation rules in 18, I think, 5.3.18. And so it looks like they're gonna they're using it for the image dimension stuff as well. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll we'll probably be seeing more and more of that as we go forward here. New new validation rules that are getting added will probably have both uh, ways to define it, unless it's a really really simple simple sort of validation rule. I'm sure that they'll probably give you the ability to do it one of two ways there. Yeah.
1: That's cool. All right. Might might look like it looks like a good place to maybe get some easy pull requests in if you start looking at doing some of the other validation rules as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And then along with the, that validation rule, the um, image one, you have an in and not in array validation. Yeah, and I feel like we've already, we've got this. They just added, you know, they basically just added the rule the way that you can do it with the rule because we've got this where you can say yeah in colon and then give a list of of things that the that the value needs to be in. So yeah, looks yeah, like this is exactly that. Somebody basically did a little pull request for allowing you to use the new fluent rule syntax to, to put those in. So, yep, interesting. Okay, and then the last one that we talked about a little before the show started is this after validation hook. So the way that I'm reading it and the way that it seems to me is Laravel will allow you to validate a request inside a controller method you can also do form request validation where you basically just type in a form request in your method and it will automatically do validation. And I think what this after validation hook allows you to do is on your controller, you actually specify a with validator method. Uh, and then that allows you to essentially hook in to your validator after it's validated the request. So the first step is you get the request into your controller method, you validate it. And then this allows you to say, okay, after the validation is done, do this thing or check to see if these are also valid. I was trying to think of a use case for this, but I couldn't find one. I couldn't I couldn't think of one.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: Yeah, off the top of my head. Uh I've had one where I've had an instance where I needed to basically specify the set of rules based on a parameter, essentially, like, okay, so if this application has a registration price that is due, then validate and make sure they have a Stripe token and make sure they have this and that, billing address, name, whatever. If it does not have a registration price that's due, then just check to make sure that they accepted the terms sort of thing. Uh, and originally when I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I could use this for that, but I don't think so. So I'm stumped on this one. So we are appealing to those of you who are listening to the show right now. And we are trying to figure out where we use this. How do we use this? What's the use case? What are you guys wanting to use it for? So hit us up on Twitter, North South Audio, or either one of us on Twitter, Jacob Bennett, Michael Dorinda. You can just use our personal Twitter accounts as well. But I'd be really interested to see what you guys are using this for.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay, moving along. We've also got, hopefully, the new MacBook Pro coming out in the next couple of days. What on Friday? Is that what it is, Michael? Or what? what, what, what Yeah,
1: Thursday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. I think it's the 27th. So yeah, Thursday for you and some ridiculous time in the middle of the night for me.
0: Is this something you're excited about or have been looking forward to or not so much?
1: Um, not really looking forward to it or excited about it. Um, I've, I mean, my MacBook I only bought at the start of last year, so it's not as dire for me. I know that there's plenty of folks. I know that, um, you know Adam and, and Taylor and Jeffrey have been tweeting about it, and they've been hanging out for new MacBooks for for a while. So I'd, I'll probably look at it and see see what it is. It's not likely that I'll get one, but some of the things that that they were talking about, you know, the rumors that it's going to have some kind of OLED touch screen panel on on the keyboard would would be pretty cool. I guess if my MacBook didn't sit in clamshell mode on my desk ninety eight percent of the time, so. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah.
0: I uh <clears throat> to be honest with you, like I we we're gonna get one. I'm gonna get one for work, uh just because we hired on a junior developer and he's gonna basically inherit my laptop and poor guy is working on a Mac mini right now. God bless his oh, yeah. soul. Yeah, poor guy. Um and so <laughs> he's gonna inherit my MacBook and I'm gonna get a new one. But I'm not I don't know, like there's actually Mm, almost more negatives for me than positives. So like they're eliminating, as at least as rumor has it, they're eliminating all of like the USB, HDMI, SD card reader, and all that stuff in favor of USB C. Yeah. Which okay, USB C great. But now basically anytime I want to do any of that stuff, I have to get a freaking adapter. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Literally I have to I mean, I can't imagine the new MacBook's gonna be so much thinner because they've ditched those things. I just can't I yeah. can't get there. So the inconvenience that it adds of having to have an adapter for HDMI, which I use on a semi-regular basis, SD card reader, which is like, eh, I could probably do without. But again, I use it on occasion and that's going to be a pain. Yeah. And then if they're literally not going to have any USB ports on here other than the ones that, you know, other than like the USB-C one, that's also going to be a huge pain. So it's kind of like... I'm almost dissuaded to not get one because of that. I know it sounds old man-ish. Like, oh, I'm not (laughs) going to change. I'm going to stick with my USB and HDMI. But I don't know. It's just like if literally the only things that are changing is an OLED touch bar so they're getting rid of all of my actual physical function keys. And okay, that's whatever it's not like a huge feature to me and then and then they're ditching all of the other ports and stuff it's like man i mean all i'm really all i would really do it for is to like i'm a little bit future-proofed against processor and memory change you know as we move yeah. forward um other than that man i'd almost rather get a later model macbook like a newer one you know get one from last yeah, year and, definitely. and keep that stuff so i don't know i don't know i'm not sure we'll have to see what happens
1: i mean as speaking as someone who's got their their macbook docked all the time it would be pretty handy to have usb c and then all of the sort of donglely things attached to that cuz then it's only one one cable to plug in right when i when i put my macbook down and then if i want to take it with me you know out of out of the house that makes it easier but yeah I, I don't know i can always claim it on tax if i do my accountant loves when i give him invoices for things that he can Claim for depreciation or work expenses or whatever so nice nice i've who
0: knows? done my own yeah yeah i've done my own taxes for the last couple of years and so i don't i probably miss that stuff
1: and i mean the good thing is with with most apple things you can just sell them on ebay and make your money back i mean they hold yeah, their value very it's well it's true it's true so who knows who knows? We'll find out at the end of the week.
0: We're, uh, we're going to run up against some time here, but we've probably got about five or six minutes left. So let's talk about uh, junior developers and onboarding junior developers. So this last it's been 2 weeks now since we on since we brought on our first junior developer, which would I guess technically made me make me a lead developer here. So previously it's pretty much been myself, my boss, but I've been the only full-time developer. So, you know, part of the problem with that is every new product you make or every new application you make adds maintenance to your workload as well. So, you know, you have to maintain every application that you create. So, it gets harder and harder to have the time to build new things when you're continuing to have to maintain old things or add new features to older things. And so that was kind of the decision-making process we went through when it was like, should we hire a junior developer? Yeah, let's get him on here and then he can help maintain some of this older stuff while I you know, get to kind of set direction for architecting new applications and things like that. However, it's been, it's been interesting because, you know, I think this this first couple of weeks, probably even a couple of months, is just kind of training time. So. It's like you know we brought on the junior developer to really like produ- increase productivity, and I should have known and seen this coming, but obviously it's like drastically decreased for myself because it's it's just the onboarding process, I think uh, of helping him figure out, and there's all the things that you don't even think about you just take for granted. how is it you know how do we name our branches when we're when we're creating a new branch like How do we handle pull requests? How do we handle code reviews? What conventions do we use in our code? What is you know explaining what Style CI is? Explaining what Travis CI is? Explaining how you you know merge a Style CI pull request? And we use PHP Storm, so helping them get PHP Storm set up. And you know it's just all the little things that you that you already have set up that you just kind of take for granted. That really are just take time. Just take time to get going. Yeah. Do you guys have like a process that you use to onboard onboard new developers?
1: Uh yeah, sort of we don't i mean for for the first year or so, it was just me, but we've brought three three new developers on this year, so um i I definitely everything that you've said is very familiar to me in that when it's just you, you just inherently know how to do all the things, how you wanna do them, and you just go about doing them, and you don't really put too much thought into documenting that process or writing down like you said, how, how you're going to do pull requests or how you're going to name your branches and how you're going to lay things out and so on and so forth. So we're sort of getting there now. Um, I grabbed, grabbed the team probably about a month ago and we sat down and we kicked off the process of talking about consolidating our workflows, consolidating the way that we write code, the way that we release code, the way that we do all of that release management. And I wrote about that on .dev a little while ago. That was was essentially, that is pretty much the release process that we follow now. And it works pretty well for us. But then just this week, we had probably two or three days of a little bit of downtime where myself and one of the other senior, one of the new guys, but one of the more senior developers in terms of you know, years of experience sat down and we started talking about building a, a base Laravel application that we can use to kick off the way that we do our, our projects internally. Um, and then we started talking about, you know, how are we going to structure code? How do we want our models to look? Where do we want our code to live in terms of folder structure? All that kind of sort of nitty gritty stuff. And as, as well as the, the higher level kind of talk around practices and things that we will and won't do. So, you know, we're happy to throw calls to models in the controller and things like that. Just so that we've got rough guides on how we can develop code. And then, you know, once you've got a, a loose framework for that, it's easy to then develop that with the rest of the team and see what works and what doesn't work. So it's a, it's going to be a living ongoing thing, I suppose. Um, but it'll be good because it'll mean that any code that I write, the other members in the team can sort of look at when I'm not there, and and vice versa with the other members in the team. You know, you don't have too many unique styles or or ways of writing the code, especially if any one of us could be expected to pick up and make changes, say if someone's away or someone's sick or whatever. So
0: yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of the the challenge for me is I pretty much I've been the only one to set or determine the style of the code that we're writing. You know, there's a thousand different ways to write the same piece of code to accomplish this task. But I've, you know, been spoiled in that I haven't really had to defer to anybody else's opinion on that stuff. I've just written it how I've always written it. And I, you know, I like the way that it looks and like the way that it reads and whatnot. And so when you have somebody else uh, that's contributing code, obviously, you now have to bend a little bit to the way that they do things or the way that they like to do things. And so Hmm. I read an article recently just kind of talking about code reviews and things like that. And, you know, what they said, what one of the suggestions was don't add your two cents. And what they meant by that was if something is pretty good, like if it's acceptable, don't don't add your two cents. Just let it go. Just, yep, that looks great. Because what that allows your, your, you know, junior developer or whatever discipline you're talking about could be design and stuff like that, too. It allows them to have ownership of the project, right? If you're changing something every single time they come to you and it's like you're being like nitpicky about it, at some point they're just going to kind of, you know, this is not my project anyway. I'm just going to make some change. I know he's going to change it to whatever he wants anyway, so it doesn't really matter what I do. And then I end up doing twice the work, you know, so to uh, kind of give them ownership over a project and let them kind of take it and run with it or at least ownership over a piece of code. So I've tried to do that as much as possible. It's very difficult. It's a it's a, a for sure learning process. Yeah. You know. And it's I say this in all respect and, and whatever, like it's kind of like getting married in, in the fact that you have a certain way that you like to do things, you know, and then you get married yeah. and it's like you just have to compromise. You just have to Yeah you know, you have to learn to work together. So that's kind of the growing pain that I'm going through right now is just kind of being able to let go of some of my own preferences or whatever and at the same time, be open to being questioned about why I'm doing certain things certain ways. That's hard for me too. It's like, well, it just yep. makes sense. I mean, why, why wouldn't you do it that way? It total, of course you would do it that way. And so, yeah. you know, it's almost like threatening at times. And I have to be like, talk myself down a little bit. Like he's, he's just yeah. asking a question. It's fine. He's not like calling you a bad <laughs> programmer.
1: You got to well, got to sit there and think to yourself, why am I doing it like this? Is it, you know, is it, is there a good reason for it? Because sometimes I get asked things and I go, I don't know, because i yeah. And, and because a lot of the time it comes down to cuz I like how it looks or yes it seems easy. And you don't realize that because you've been doing it for for so long that sure it makes sense to you but it doesn't make sense to someone else. So and and that's why I say that all of this is living breathing stuff, you know. As as we as you introduce more people to a team, you get more sets of eyes on it, you get more opinions about it, and then you've got to think you know, what does the team want to do?
0: Yeah, I know it's hard. So it's like I it's good. It will be good. It's just the it's the time investment up front. I think, um, and we'll eventually get to the point where I'm able to just say, okay, go do this, and he can kind of go off and do it. And we're actually starting sort of getting to that point with some of the stuff already, like with, you know, he he's not a Laravel dev necessarily. Uh, he's worked with some frameworks before in PHP, but he's a fan of like PHP unit and testing and things like that. So one of the things I was able to do when he first came on was. Say, here's a project. This is yours. Here are some tests that need to be written. Write these tests and basically learn this code base top to bottom. And, and like, if any changes need to be made, this is yours. This is your baby now. So it's kind of nice to be able to like hand some of that stuff off and just be like, yep, you should know this thing backwards, forwards. We're going to do a Laravel shift on it. You get to dig in all the, all the internals and stuff and do that. So yeah, I think as time goes on and I'm able to do that with more and more stuff, I should be able to gain back some of that efficiency to to go after some of these new projects. But anyway, if you guys have any uh, suggestions out there for doing good code reviews and not being insulting and being a generally nice person when it comes to doing that stuff, I'm I'm not saying I'm a jerk. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, being careful with how you construct your feedback and things like that. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter. I would appreciate your feedback. So I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Michael, you got anything else you want to talk about?
1: Um... No, I think that is that is probably a wrap.
0: All right, teach us a teach us an Australian word. Teach you an Australian word. What's a good Australian phrase? Mm. And I'll try and say it live on the air here.
1: Geez, <laughs> you put me on the spot. Tell you what, if you if you keep this attitude up, we're gonna have a bit of a barney.
0: <laughs> a, a barney. What's a, a barney? barney?
1: A Barney. We're gonna have a fight.
0: Okay, all right, we're gonna have a barney next episode. Hi, right, man. <laughs> good talking to you. Thanks for our taking you some too. time, up, man. Uh, so, thanks everybody for listening to the show. This is episode thirteen. So you can find the show notes for this episode at slash 13 Of course, if you have any suggestions, any uh, questions, anything you'd like to ask us for future episodes, you can hit us up on Twitter at NorthSouthAudio. And if you like the episode, please feel free to give us a five-star rating or four and a half. We'd even accept that four and a half star rating if you can do that on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Adam, a while ago, he was trying to help us out, some of us Americans, with our Aussie accents. Oh, dear. Did you see that where he said... Like so the words that he put on Twitter, he said, say this like phrase. And the phrase was rise up lights. So it was rise up lights.
1: Rise up lights.
0: (laughs) Razor blades. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) Rise up lights. (laughs) I thought that one was pretty good. I laughed really hard when I finally figured that out. I was like, Rise up lights, what is that? (laughs) And then once you hear it, then you can actually say it like an Aussie. (laughs) Rise applies much much
1: closer than your podcast last week.